God spoke to me and saying, I saw the pain. I was not resting. I saw everything. I was there. And just be thankful and grateful for the 12 years that you have had him. And don't think about the time now that you don't have him because he is here with me. Today on First Person, a story of heartache and hope, of a senseless killing and a widow's faith that sustains her. I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to listen to the first-hand account of one woman and her family whose lives were forever changed because of the ancient practice of a blood feud in Albania. You'll meet Elona Proy today on First Person. This conversation and all previous interviews are archived on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. You can click on anyone and listen at your convenience, firstpersoninterview.com. And to leave a comment, visit us at Facebook at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. A friend of mine met Alona in Albania a couple of years ago and told me of her grief as her husband, Tani, a pastor, was murdered when one family took revenge on an innocent man for something for which he had nothing to do. As you listen today, Alona will tell us about blood feuds, which are still a part of life in northern Albania. Today, following her husband's death, Alona is raising their two children and is deeply involved in leading the church in the town where Tani was killed. Listen carefully as Alona tells her story with as few interruptions as possible. In an interview via Skype, I ask her how it was her husband became a follower of Christ in formerly atheistic Albania. In uh, 1991, uh, Albania was opened, uh, the the communism system fell down, and uh, we have been for about 50 years under the communism, and as you know, it it has been the the hardest communism in the world. So when Albania was opened, uh, then uh, many missionaries came to Albania, most of them were from Sweden. My husband, uh, Tani, was uh, 17 years old at that time, and he was invited to go in the Bible school in Tirana, in the capital. Uh, And uh, he was not a Christian when he was invited to go there. Uh, This was the way uh, how the first missionaries uh, wanted to plant the seed uh, in in Albania. He came to Tirana with uh, the idea that he is going to pass one year of his life in the capital, and not because he was uh, very much interested in the Bible school. So when he came to Tirana for about three months, uh, he was not going to the Bible school, and uh, he was almost uh, in the point that they wanted to take him out uh, from the school. But uh, there was a big conference, and for the first time he gave his life to to Jesus because he he saw a miracle happening there. Uh, From that moment, 1991, uh, he gave his life to Jesus, and he uh, came back to his town in Skoder, and uh, Škoder is a north, the biggest town in the north of Albania. And uh, when he came there with another student, they were on the fire of salvation and with the joy of salvation. And they started to preach the gospel in the streets to people, uh, going to the hospital to pray for people. And very soon, you know, we, we can say that uh, for 50 years we have been in a, a deep hunger for God and many people were uh, receiving Jesus. And uh, this is the way how the, the church was planted. Elona goes on to explain her own story of coming to faith in Christ. I, at that time, in 1991, 1992, uh, I was uh, uh, 12 years old, uh, 
girl and um, I was living in the south of Albania in Vlora and uh, my oldest sister she was a student in Tirana and uh, she came in contact with the same people that uh, Tani was in contact to with these Swedish uh, missionaries and she was invited to to go to the same Bible school Word of Life Bible school and um, she received Jesus there and when she came back for the summer holidays then uh, she shared the gospel with us and uh, me and my other two sisters, and we all gave our life to Jesus. As you can imagine, for a young person to turn their life over to Jesus in such a way was a radical move in a formerly communist country steeped in atheism. Ilona explains how her husband's decision affected his family. He he shared the gospel with his family, and all of them are Christian now. But the, the wider family that here in Albania we call that the tribe, that is the wider family, uh, his uncles and uh, other people, they were very rebellious against him and very... Um, like uh, they were ashamed why he has given his life to Jesus because uh, here in Albania, especially in the north, is a, a big difference between Catholics and uh, evangelical Christians. Uh, we are more persecuted from Catholics than Muslims because um, they they feel like threatened, like we are converting people from the Catholic religion to, to be uh, evangelical Christian. So... Uh, for Tani and for his uncles, were, was like uh, he has betrayed their religion. He has betrayed the cross because he was not doing the cross, and uh, like uh, he has gone there just uh, betraying the whole tribe, you know. And uh, their expectation, the expectation of his uncles was that were that uh, uh, Tani uh, was going to be one of their followers. You know, they were people of guns gangsters and uh, so they were hoping that while he's growing up he's 17 years old now uh, he will just follow them and be a group of men together strong men in the town uh, so one of their big declaration was that we are ashamed of you we, you are not anymore uh, our nephew because you left the guns and you took the bible to be a priest So, two young believers take the brave step of submitting their lives to God and, in the process, alienate many in their family who believe that they have betrayed their deeply held traditions and beliefs. But how did Alona, from the south of Albania, connect with Tani, who was from Skolder in the north? You know, I I came to live in Skolder from the south. Uh, It's about 300 kilometers uh, apart from its other towns. And, uh, you know, when when I came up, I came to live uh, with my sister and brother-in-law because they were pastoring the church at that moment. This is how I met Tani. Uh, So he was the closest friend of my brother-in-law and we fell in love and we we got married. And then after we got married, then Tani was uh, anointed as the pastor of the church, of Word of Christ Church. And this was in 2001. And then uh, we we continued our, our life normally, serving God to to Skoder and um, uh, yeah, serving the church there. And um, it was a normal life, and I loved the, that life. You know, even that uh, the north of Albania is very different with the south from the culture, the dialect, and everything else. You know, I I loved the place there because I I felt that that was the place where God uh, has called us to serve Him and to serve the church there. 
So uh, everything was uh, going great. Uh, I have heard uh, before about blood feud. I was really young when um, I got married with Tanya. I was 18 years old. And when I went to my father to ask him uh, and to tell him that I, I wanted to marry Tani, the first thing he said to me was, what about blood feud? You know, and uh, to me it was, you know, uh, it was something... Uh, Ununderstandable. I, I didn't understand what was blood feud at that moment because uh, something that I wanted to to say is that blood feud is only in the north of Albania. It doesn't exist in the south. So this is a kind of uh, out of our mentality. Even in the south, we couldn't understand blood feud that was happening in the north. And Skodra has been known as the capital of the blood feud. To me, it was, you know, something like, Tani is a good man. What do I have to do with the blood feud? And he said to me, yes, he is a good man, but what about his uncles? You know, and um, I didn't understand that at that time. And um, the the thing was that we were having in the church women uh, coming and asking for food. And uh, as I told you, I was so young and I was... Uh, uh, um, you know, uh, to me, it was uh, something that I didn't understand how people can come in a place for the first time. And the first thing they do is asking for food, asking for money. You know, it was an understandable for me. And um, I can share with you a case that uh, it is in my memory because there was a woman coming uh, to the church and she said to me that I'm in blood feud. My, my whole family is present in the house. We don't have food to eat. And I said to her, come in the church and we will pray God for you. This was my, you know, my understanding. And then uh, she didn't come anymore in the church uh, because she came just for food, you know, and uh, after after three months, I saw her all in black in the street and I asked her what has happened. And she said to me that our enemies um, killed my husband uh, in the middle of the house, going from the kitchen to the bedroom in the corridor of the house. They killed him. They just found him the easiest way and killed him. So uh, this was the first time that I could understand the the risk and the, how dangerous blood feud can be. But again, we were not involved in that. Not involved yet, but that was about to change. In a few moments, we'll continue the story of a pastor killed because of an Albanian blood feud. Next time, a top-level financial analyst, Bob Dole, tells of losing his job. My wife pointed this one out to me. Bob, you've been in control, and God needs to show you he's in control. Maybe that's what this is about. So the way I'd say it, Wayne, and I don't want to go through 2012 again, but on the other hand, I wouldn't trade that year for anything. God uses the circumstances of Bob Dole's life to teach us all a lesson. Next time on First Person. My guest today via Skype is Alona Proy, a young widow whose husband was murdered in revenge for a murder committed by his uncle. Unimaginable to much of the world, this practice known as a blood feud is still a part of life for the people of northern Albania, where Alona still lives and ministers the gospel today. As we continue the story, I ask Alona to explain what a blood feud is. 500 years ago, when we were um, conquered by the Turkish Empire, when the Turkish Empire came to Albania, they forced all Albanian people to change their religion from Christian to Muslim. 
So uh, in the north, uh, there were a lot of Catholic people and they were very strong in their religion, very fanatic, you know, and they didn't want to change the religion to be Muslim people. So they they went out of the towns and they ran in the mountains to uh, that they were not be killed from, from Turkish people. So when they went in the mountains to be hidden there, uh, they wanted to govern themselves. So um, they made the law that is called the Canon of Lek Dukajini. So Lek Dukajini is a man that he he was a clever man that he uh, just uh, prepared some laws how they would govern themselves, the Albanians, and they were not, they didn't want to obey the Turkish law. This is why they made their own law. One part of the canon is the law of the blood feud. You know, it's 500 years uh, old. And uh, the reason why it's going on in the north of Albania is because the the state and the government is very weak in the north. People in the north are very strong, very rebellious people. And uh, is uh, the canon has more power than the legal law that the government has in Albania. People now, they are not respecting even the canon, you know, because uh, according to the canon, you cannot kill any girl but last year we have had the girl 17 years old killed Uh, in the canon you you are not allowed to touch any children even that they are boys until the moment that they are 18 years old and last year we have had a nine years old boy killed because of the blood field but they are interpreting the law and they just want revenge you know it is not anymore the canon of Lek Dukajini, but now it's the law of blood feud. Just uh, if you kill me, I want to take revenge. It doesn't matter how and when and where. I just want blood for blood, you know. It is a kind of mentality for the North, you know. is uh, the, the, the force and the power of the opinion that if you will not take revenge, you are powerless, you are not a man. If you will forgive the blood of someone that has been killed of your tribe, you are, uh, forgiveness is a weakness, is not uh, something strong. Elona then goes on to explain how this centuries-old tradition of a blood feud came to be an issue in their lives. I will tell you how it all started. Uh, it was 2005. Tani was pastoring the church that year. It was Thursday after the prayer meeting that we were coming home and we heard shooting in our area where we were living. And um, after half an hour, people came to our house saying that don't go out because Tani's uncle has killed uh, a man. Um, so... In the 24 first hours, it is crazy, you know, the the people of the other family can burn all your house with everything that is in it. They can kill children and babies, they can kill women. So in the first 24 hours, it is very dangerous and people were coming to us and saying, just run away from this house, go somewhere and be hidden. After three hours, we then uh, left Škodra and we went in the south to be hidden with uh, Tani's brother. 
and we stood there for two months. When Tawny took his family and fled, he grieved the loss of their ministry. The, the first reaction toward this news, uh, I, I can remember my husband laying in the bed and, say, and crying and saying, what is going to happen with the church now? And uh, to me, this was, I couldn't understand what has happened. Even at that moment, I didn't know how dangerous and how bad it was, you know, because of coming of another mentality. And um, so I just said to him, oh, we will be free and we will come back here and we will serve God to the church. So we'll be here. And uh, he just said to me, you don't understand what has happened. From that night, we went to the south. After two months, we were praying there and uh, we were in contact with the church and we saw that the church was, you know, like a flock without a shepherd and they were afraid and they uh, were thinking that we were not going to go back to the church and to the town. So we were praying to the Lord and we felt so strong that uh, we need to go back. Even staying in the house, we need to go back. And uh, we went back 12 o'clock in the night that nobody will see us. And I was driving and entering the, the town. So uh, at this uh, time, Tani stood with Gabriel too. Gabriel is my son. At that time, he was five years old. And for one year, he stood with his father, prisoned in the house, because we were afraid to send him in the kindergarten too. Uh, after one year, we sent elders. Elders, uh, I, I can explain, elders are some people with good reputation, that they are chosen from the communities of the mountains to represent their big tribes and villages. We send the elders for asking forgiveness for children. Uh, and, you know, all the people that uh, are present are only men in seven generations. And uh, so we, we went, we send elders to ask forgiveness for, for Gabriel that he was five to send him in the kindergarten and other kids in the tribe. But they didn't give forgiveness for children, and um, uh, then we take we took the risk to to send him in the kindergarten with uh, other people from the church that they will not recognize that he was our son. And um, Tani stood present in the house for four years, uh, and with Tani there were twenty four other men in his family in his wider family, that they have never come out of their house for seven years uh, because of the blood feud. So after staying, uh, Tani staying in the house for four years, uh, he, um, he came to preach in the church maybe once in six months. And this was very rare. And uh, if he would come, he would come in the middle of the night on Saturday. After four years that we were praying and um, uh, Tani got a, a strong word from the Lord and it was like, I will protect you wherever you go and I will bring you back here to fulfill the calling I have for you is Genesis 28, 15. To us, this was like, okay, this is time to go and we know that we will come back. In the end, we, we had a great peace in our heart because we knew that this was what God wanted us to do, you know, that we felt that God was taking us out from this place and bringing us back here. Hiding in his own home, venturing out at night to dare to preach. But there came a day when God called Tani to leave the safety of his home and take up his ministry. Elona looks back on the decision to return to Skolder in the first place. When Tani was praying, 
uh, he heard so strong for God, from God that this is the time to go back. You know, uh, you have uh, you have fulfilled the time to be out. Now this is the time to go back in Albania. And when he came to me saying that we we need to prepare everything, we will go back. I was shocked. You know, I, uh, to me it was like we we have planned to be here for two years. Why do we have to go back? But you know, uh, you are in a in a position that you know that this is God's will, and you don't want to to be a kind of hindrance of God's will in, in your family life. And um, so we, we came back uh, thinking and hoping that maybe this is the time that God has called us to freedom and maybe we will get freedom in Albania and we will be there to serve God there. And, but when we came back, then we understood that the situation was more complicated uh, than we left, you know, and uh, things were very difficult. After boldly taking up his ministry once again, there came a day when their fears were realized. I was not with Pani that day. It was Friday morning and it was five days after the conference. I was in the house preparing the lunch. Uh, Tani was coming out from the church. It was one o'clock in the lunch time, and the children they were in the street waiting for him. And um, then the the brother of the first victim, the brother of the boy that Tani's uncle killed, uh, he went um, when he was coming out from the church, going to the car park. He went there close to the car, and he asked Tani. Are you Dritan Proy is his name and surname? And he said, yes, what do you need? And he just uh, took out his gun and he shot him in, in his legs, in both legs. But he, he tried to run from that place and he just ran after him. And uh, shooting uh, in front of maybe 100 people that were in the street there. And uh, he, he killed them just in front of the church. He killed Tani and he wounded two other people that were just people that were walking in the street at that time. So Pastor Tani was murdered on the street, an innocent man killed out of revenge, and Alona turned to God for comfort. In in the beginning, I, I couldn't see any glory in all this. You know, I could see only pain. And uh, I could hear the Lord speaking to my spirit and saying that, I was there with him. You didn't need to be there with him. So because I, I was praying to the Lord, I was saying, this, this is my fault. I was not there. And uh, God spoke to me and saying, I saw the pain. I was not asleep. I was not resting. I saw everything. I was there. You didn't need to be there. And just be thank- thankful and grateful for the 12 years that you have had him in your life as a gift. And don't think about the time now that you don't have him because he is here with me. So this this brought this peace that Jesus said, that the peace that passes all understanding. Elona Proy, a remarkable woman of faith who has endured the senseless death of her husband. Today, Elona leads the church in Shkolder, Albania, carrying on Tani's ministry and raising two wonderful children. She is a living example to us of a bold and enduring faith in the face of hardship. I think of what Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 4 and 5. We proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness and all the persecutions and hardships you were suffering. 
and God will use this persecution to show His justice and to make you worthy of His kingdom for which you are suffering. If you'd like to go back and listen again to Alona's story or pass it along to someone else, visit us online at firstpersoninterview.com. And then to leave a comment, visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Next week, we'll interview Bob Dole, a top-level financial analyst who understands that life consists of far more than the material. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person. Thank you.